0: the
1: longest have been feeling like I'm supposed to be delivering babies, and, I, and it, it sat so much on my chest and on my mind that I was, like, dreaming about it.
2: Valencia is a donor and la madrona train birth and postpartum doula, providing services in the lower Manhattan Valley, Southern Connecticut, Northern New Jersey, and the greater New York City area. Her path to birth work was inspired by supporting many close friends and family during their labor and delivery experiences. It was these formative experiences that guided her during her early training, informing her current approach as a doula of being centered on wholehearted attentiveness and providing a calm presence while giving non-judgmental, physical, emotional, and spiritual support to pregnant persons. Welcome, Valencia. It's good to have thank you on. Thank us. you. Thank you so much for agreeing good to be here. here. Hey, how are you how are you holding up during our stay at home order?
1: Uh, as best as I can. I'm yeah. alive as well, so I can't um, you know, I can't really complain. I'm I'm having a chance to do all the things that I said I was gonna do, kind of, you know, and had to putting off, you know.
0: Um, okay. Okay.
2: I'm
0: doing. I'm yeah. doing. Yeah.
2: That's good to hear. That's good to hear. <laughs> so we're just going to jump right in and I had wanted to ask the first question was, you know, what career did you want to do when you were in grade school, high school, and college?
1: Oh man, I have been around I've been around the globe uh thinking about what I wanted to do with my life and you know when I first started I I really wanted to be a figure skater and an artist ah. that was going to be my career path until uh, <laughs> um, in high school I got this really great introduction to um, folks from other cultures there was a huge um, boarding community and so many of these folks were my friends and um, with that, it just really sparked an interest in, in like international life, exploring other cultures. Um, I discovered that I had a knack for languages, or have a knack for languages, um, and so I, I that led me into my studies in college. Um, and so my first degree was international relations and I found out very quickly that, you know, people back home were not hiring (laughs) for that.
2: Yeah. It's hard to get hired.
1: Yeah. So I, I really had to give it more direction and, um, you know, kind of following the, a bit of direction or, or advice from my mom, I ended up going into education, uh, to teach, English to speakers of other languages. And so this Uh is what I got my master's degree in. Um, But to be very honest with you, and this is what really led me to do the work, I for the longest have been feeling like I'm supposed to be delivering babies. And and it it sat Mm. so much on my chest and on my mind that I was like dreaming about it.
2: (laughs) Okay. What were the dreams Um, about? Like speak a little bit more to that.
1: Like I would dream about delivering a baby or I would, I would dream that I'm crying because I hadn't completed school to do this work. It was just, it just got very intense sometimes or that I was rushing with someone, um, that I know to labor. You know, I know this person, but maybe I couldn't like see the face or I've had dreams. where I'm actually catching babies. You know, it was some pretty intense stuff. You know, the psyche does a lot of, uh, a lot of playing
0: (laughs) yes.
2: making you see the signs that you don't want to see.
1: Right. And so, you know, that's been a, that's been a a bit of a hard, I don't want to say a hard pill to swallow, but something of the sort when you've, you've put all this time and emotion and good Lord, the money, the money that goes into education, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and then deciding, you know i'm going to i'm going to step away from that and when i first i don't want to like overstep by interview questions but when i when i first started with doula work i thought this was going to be like a side gig you know something i could do on the side just to appease that um, desire yeah you know like maybe i don't have to uh step away from a career to do this thing um mm-hmm. And then I found out I found this thing becoming more important to me than what I was doing, and more fulfilling.
2: So right before you jumped into doula work, and you you thought you were doing it as a side thing, what were you? What career were you doing? What job were you doing then?
1: So I learned very early on that I actually didn't want to be in the classroom um, teaching K through twelve. You know, I love it, but um, I didn't want to. Ha- I didn't want to have it. You know, yeah. and so I was working with college students um, at a program here in Harlem, and it was just uh, it was it was the job that I needed to do at the time that I was doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I know what I I have and had to bring to the table to these students, and so um, much of that work was just guiding a, a group of students, and I had about forty five. Or so sometimes more sometimes less um, that I was following through their academic careers and so um, you know I, I had students from from as far as SUNY Oneonta which is upstate 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 New York you know down to Florida and so um, while I liked it while it was challenging, um, while I benefit from my they benefited from my students and they benefited from me, that it, that experience and relationship. Um you know, I had, I only had but so many sick days to call out for labor.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is true. So speak a little bit to that. Like speak to, you know, how was it managing a career and also a job rather, and then doing this side job and trying to call out for birth? Like,
0: difficult
1: (laughs) every doula knows that on-call life is like anxiety producing you know And I think that many of us uh, come around to something that feels like okay I got this right yeah Um, and even that's a bit shaken up sometimes but um, I, I, I had a few students that would come into the office that were like pregnant And not necessarily my students, but I felt more compelled to talk to them than I did, you know, some of the ones that I was meeting with. And it was just, um, it became really difficult because you realize just how heavy doula work is. And not just um, on the emotional side of it also, but also... Um, in having to provide information to folks, you know, yes. and have to keep abreast of that information. Yes. I was also having to leave work, which was demanding, you know, it was demanding of my time. I had students who would contact me after work. Um, and then also have these clients that I'm trying to uh you know, be there for, but also like give them the best the, the best and the most information that I could
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but if I you know I wasn't I wasn't able to do as much reading as I would have liked early on or like spend so much time because my energy was just
0: you all know, over
1: yeah
0: definitely yeah. and
2: just so people and know what the on call period is see, the on call period is the period in which a doula is on call for a client who could potentially go into labor and that window is different from for everyone. There are some people who start at 37 weeks until whenever their doctor lets them go, whether that's 41 or 42. So that five week window, a client can go into labor at any point, And so we're on call, which means our phones are on 24 seven. We're checking to make sure that they're fully charged. We could get a call in the middle of the night saying where Labor started and have to go. So, yes. Mm
1: -hmm. And literally in the middle of the night. And that's usually when they come. Yes.
2: Usually in the middle of the night, (laughs) always. Well, that's when, you know, a mom is more relaxed and more comfortable and not thinking about her labor. So, of course, that's when it's going to start. That's the best time for it to start. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, This is all. It's all been quite a journey, mm-hmm. you know, coming into this work. Um, I even started, so when I first started, if I if I can speak on this. Yes. Thing, but if I first, when I first started, um, I took my first training with Dona and this was after my best friend had her baby, you know, and I, I had attended a couple of births already from yeah. at the earliest that I remember. I was probably nine years old the first Hmm. birth that I had seen yeah um and thank thank god for my cousin you know who allowed these things because I went on to see more for babies born okay (laughs) so what
2: what did you what did you feel at nine years old seeing a birth for the first
1: time amazed but also um You know, I got to see it from like a, uh, like a child, right? Like,
0: oh, they poop. (laughs) Oh, she's loud,
1: you know, and whoa, you know, this is what happens to the body. But also, you know, just, you're not processing all of that, you know, that that, you're seeing at nine, right? And these were home births. No, these were hospital birds. You were you were in the hospital. I was able, yes, oh, and I was able to watch these things. Um, and then again at maybe eleven and fourteen, you know, and then um, I have always been this person that people call when things are happening.
0: Okay,
1: <laughs> you know, kind of like my mom, <laughs> and so. Um, Folks call me when they're going to labor, you know, I, I don't know. I've been that friend within my own friends group that is like, uh, she knows about these things, okay. right? Okay, great. Um, and a little prematurely because I didn't know about all of those so, things, yeah. you know, but now it's, um, you know, after having been through it and taking my first training um, and then it's been a couple of years since, um, but it's, it's far developed beyond what I imagined when I first okay. started.
2: Yeah. So what did you imagine when you first started and how was that training?
1: Um, I didn't, well, to be honest, I didn't imagine it to be as political as it is. Um, and also I didn't realize the effect that it could have on me and the effect that I could have on it right? Okay. Like this whole birthing support, yes. um, notion. And, and then when I first took Donna's training or the training with Dona, which is Doula's of North America, um, I, You know, it kind of scratches the surface, right? Like yes. you go in for this three-day training and you're like, wow, this is happening and I can do this and I can support this person. And then you go through this bit of, uh, you're given this information that really gets your gears rolling, right? And then you go through these uh, role-playing scenarios of, like folks in labor. And I realized in that moment... <laughs> I had only seen certain types of labor, right? Yes. Um, and also, I had been there as a spectator and not as a person having to figure out how to shift this energy, you know, yeah. to to kind of guide someone else through this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I took it, it kind of opened my eyes up to what's happening out there and what I could possibly be doing. And then I realized... Um, you know, very shortly after I needed additional training. Okay. I need additional training. You know, I, I needed to know in a very practical way, what do I do when I walk into someone's space? You okay. know, whether this is at home or if I'm first meeting you at the hospital, you know, what does this look like? Uh, shut the lights off, these types of things. You know, how do I even assess what's going on in order to move forward? Um and so I found that um I found those trainings with Manhattan Birth, um and their mentorship program.
0: Okay. Yeah. How that's I, how
1: that's how we met. How yeah. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so two two wonderful and very informative years um of that program has really set my my practice and just the way that I present myself um, as a doula to others in a, in a very different way, you know, there's much more to think about. Um, I learned how to take different approaches with different families, you know, because it's not a one-size-fits-all.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and then beyond, you know, uh, beyond the practical, what's happening, you know, what's happening with the physical, but like what's also happening emotionally, you know, with clients, with myself, with these families that are going home together. Um, And I think
2: that's a big part of it, right? That's a big part that is left out of a lot of these trainings is the emotional that's going on because there is, it's not just physical, but it's emotional and being able to tap into that emotion to help guide the next process is what takes a lot of energy from, from doula work. Yeah.
1: You know, you know, one thing I don't, I don't think people realize when they come into this type of work is like, uh, you think this is all about helping someone else.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yes. But in
1: turn, you find yourself, uh, also having to do this work with yourself. You know, I talk to my clients about things that, uh, things that they have had happen to them, you know, and like, let's dig a little deeper into these things because the things that you think you've, you've kind of suppressed and, and buried, they're sure to come up during your birth. Right. Yes. But it was over several births that I realized things were coming up for me as well, you know, Mm -hmm. and that required me to do more work. For myself as a doula Speak percent. a little
2: bit about that Speak speak a little bit about like what came up That made you realize that you had to Take a second And step back because not everybody who does This work has that reflection There are people who just go through It and you know will do 100 births without having That reflection so what was it For you that came up
1: Oh man, you know, when you, when you face different scenarios and you get different families and you're dealing with different family dynamics, um, it all starts to come up for you. You know, I, I realized some areas where I may have been jaded by my own experiences, you know, um, how am I looking at this person's partner? You know, Mm -hmm. are they different than the last person's partner? You know, what is their dynamic like as a couple?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there were heavy emotions that I was taking on from certain births as well. You know, it's like a, there is this trauma piece, right? You yeah. know, and it's huge in birth work. It's just huge in, in like self-work, you know, as well. But when you're working with others, it becomes that much more important and magnified. Definitely. You know? um, because there were things that I was... I was bringing to their birth, you know, knowing the experience that I'd had at the last one, right? Like what was that doctor? Like what were those nurses in this same hospital? Like with that
0: last client, Yeah.
1: Um, you know, or, and then depending on what this client looked like, you know, are you a black or brown person? You know, what additional uh, feelings am I holding? For this person because I feel the need to protect even more, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, processing all of that and then just being a woman and and supporting women through these spaces. I think that it's allowed me to tap in a little more to myself, you know, Um, and on the flip side of that, that I was coming home like a full mess sometimes like. I just need to go to sleep. Yeah, really like a birth does so much to you. And I don't, I think trying to explain to my friends, like how wiped out you are after birth sometimes. um, And friends who are not other birth workers, because other birth workers get it. They get
2: it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um,
1: But just trying to explain to folks like the emotional toll, you know, sometimes is, um, it it is quite an experience, you know, and it, it does take a day or two to recover from oh, that. You know. Yes. Even yeah. some of the crying. I'm like, why am I crying? You know, it was just <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd been I'd been holding on to something or maybe that was a, a certain type of experience for me and, and it's you know, this is how it's coming out, you yes. know. Yes. There's so much energy that you take in and give off and do the work. And so um you know, just a bit of that, a lot of that. Yes. Yeah. So that sounds like
2: that's one of the challenges and as well as, you know, being on call is another challenge. But you, you spoke of like going to a birth. Talk about the average length of a birth. I think that people don't understand the mm-hmm. amount of time that a doula mm-hmm. spends at a birth uh-huh. and that they have to be on call, you know, and on. In that moment, it's not like even if we were to take a nap at a birth, but like to speak to that piece of getting the call, going, and then spending just, you know, give a rough ballpark about how many hours oh, you were God at that God. birth. God.
0: Yeah.
1: My my shortest birth I never have expectations, right? And I'll say this, I've learned that now, but I'll that say this for both first time moms, second time third time fourth seven I don't have any expectations for how long or short your labor is going to be I just know I'm going to be away you know Yeah. and so my shortest birth with a first-time mom and she's actually one of my best friends um, I got the call at 2:30 in the morning she delivered at 5:30 and that was. That was yes. super short. Yes. <laughs> and my longest birth was a little over 45 hours.
0: Mm, yeah. yeah. and that
1: was like a you know, labor, labor itself um You know, some folks think like, oh, you you go into the hospital, you have this baby, it's 10, 12 hours and you're done, maybe 15. Or maybe you go on this afternoon and you give birth in the morning. And uh, sure, it can look like that, you know, a little bit of help for medications, you know, help. Um, And then others... I can get a call at one o'clock in the morning and you're just getting to active labor by one o'clock the next morning. The
2: morning. Exactly. (laughs) You know? Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And so being a doula, I've had to find this kind of like, uh, you know, get it in where you can. And what I mean by that is like, if I can sit in a corner in a chair and put a blanket over my face for 20 minutes, that's great. Yeah. You know, if if I, um, I typically start labor at home with my clients, mm-hmm. uh, just just so that they're not going into the hospital and, you know, being put on this timeline because yes. hospitals are businesses um, and you can't take up a bed for too long. And yes. so we start the process at home, you know, where you're more comfortable, um, where folks have access to whatever chair they want to labor over or their bed or their food that they, they want to eat and not ice chips, you or know, or their shower or their shower, their tub, you know? Um, and sometimes, you know, maybe they're on the couch and I'm on the floor, you know, just yes. keeping a very near, um, just keeping close, but far enough away to let her do what she needs to do, you know? Yes. Um, but also making my way, you know, or or being close enough that like, if if there is a change in things, which can be like quick, you know, yes. mm-hmm. um, then I'm ready to go and we're prepared.
2: That's, yeah, yeah, that's a great. And now on the flip side of that there's postpartum that you also do
1: postpartum. I, you know what? I got into postpartum because I felt like I was leaving my family's hanging. Mm. And, um, because you, you go through this whole birth experience with them. You go through much of the end of pregnancy. I get a lot of folks that will call me when they're like a sneeze pregnant, you know, they're like eight weeks or so. exactly, And, You know, maybe they're ready to hire at that point or maybe they're not. Um, I actually just had someone call me yesterday after like interviewing two months ago, you know, but some folks want to be more sure. And then others I get around, you know, maybe they're 30 weeks or 35 weeks and they're getting very close to the due date and they just finally decided, you know, they want support, um, but what I what I felt like I was doing was spending um, either a long or very short period of time with folks during pregnancy, going through the labor and delivery process with them, and then seeing them for this postpartum visit to kind of... Uh, You know, just give them a bit of direction. You know, like this is what the first couple of days are going to look like. This is what the first couple of weeks are going to look like. Mm -hmm. Here is how you all can save yourselves from the things that are going to be hard. But this is how you manage them, right? Yes. Um, But then I would get calls like uh, three weeks later or like a month later and three months later and six months later. And I I'd realize there's this other part to this. That is just an extension, but it's just not over, you know. And I, exactly. I felt like I needed to know more. I needed to do more in that space to really give my families a good start because that that is like my leading, my mission, you know. Yes. Um, so postpartum, I I ended up doing my first postpartum training. Maybe six, seven months after I did my birth training. And again, it was just like, wow, this is out there. Yeah. And this is what postpartum is. And this is what people are going through. And oh my gosh, I just had so much more appreciation for my mom. (laughs) If, If you could name like one or two things that
2: were surprising from the training, that you learned, that you didn't know before, what would they be?
1: Um, <clears throat> just how significant the recovery period is, mm-hmm. you know, and what that what that means for people's lives. You know, yes. like this is not just a... This is not just six weeks, you know? This is not it, just it, 40 days. Exactly. This is not just the first year, you know, mm-hmm. but how... How do these, uh, how does your immediate postpartum and into, and when I say immediate, I mean, from the time the baby leaves your body, you know, yes. um, and into the first year, yes. you know, what if just, just understanding the impact that that has on people's lives for years to come yes. and on the lives of their children and their families, mm-hmm. it was just like mind blowing, you know, um, that, and then I got pretty deep into, some herbal work. Um, and so with that, it was really tapping into this other piece of my work. Um, just understanding what nature offers yes. you know, to help speed up that process or to help that process go as it should. Mm-hmm. Um, but also using the body to heal the body, you know, yes. it was just, uh, a bit of learning about the power of all of that.
2: Like what, give one example of an herb that you learned about that most people don't know about for postpartum healing.
0: Um,
1: Oh man, there are many. So, so comfrey is one of them. Uh, chamomile can be wonderful, you know, and I, I know we all have like, I'm going to have a cup of chamomile tea, but when you know the benefits of it, you know, and use these things at the right time, um, they just have so much more power, you know, (laughs) um, eucalyptus, you know, it's a cooling herb. Yeah. Uh, all of these lavender, you know, for relaxation, um, something that things that I cook with, you know, like rosemary and oregano. Yeah, <laughs> um, You know, they have antibacterial properties. And so I some of those things I've brought into my postpartum work, um, mm-hmm. whether it be a bath or for, you know, peri-steaming. Yeah. Um, they've been Speak quite, a little
2: bit, explain a little bit about what Perry steaming is since everyone says so, it,
1: but so, um, so most folks refer to this as like uh, vaginal steaming or like Yoni steaming. Um, but per- I call it, I, I'm, you know, call it Perry steaming when I want to be correct,
0: you mm-hmm. know,
1: because it's not just, um, the vagina that's being steamed you know yes. you're steaming the whole area up into the uterus exactly. and so um, that can be a great tool for release um, it can be a great tool for healing you know it can be a great tool for toning um, you know and then set you up for some good stuff you know in your sex life if you want it yeah <laughs> you know Um, or even you know help prepare you for fertility you know things that we're holding on to up there we kind of need to steam
2: on out yeah Yeah. well this has been really great and fascinating thank you so much for sharing all of this with me and i like to end on a segment i call like daily inspiration like so i just want to know like what book, film, show, or podcast that is expiring you right now?
1: What book, film, show, or podcast? Right now, I am reading Revolutionary Mothering. Hmm. And um, I'm not Who's much Who's the a- author? Oh my God, don't even ask. Okay. I have okay. to look at it. Yep. I, have okay. to, I have the book, but I, I, it's a shame that I don't know that part. But, um... The author in the book is speaking to someone else about healing yourself because the healing is not only uh, for the future, but that you're also healing the generations <laughs> behind yeah. you, you know? Oh, and so. Um, that sounds
0: amazing. Some
1: things taken to my work is like uh, in guiding other folks you know, through, through their experiences. Um, I've also had to do my own healing, you know, and then I've been able to bring some of that to my own mother, yes. you know, and my own sisters and my own women's circles and friends groups. And so, um, you know, I encourage, I encourage mothers to be, you know, to read it, those who are mothers, mm-hmm. you know, those who've had a mother, so that's everyone. <laughs> everyone, exactly, exactly. You know, it, it, uh, yeah. it provides some insight.
0: That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah.
1: And is there is there a
2: quote that you think of that helps guide you daily, or something that just inspires you to get recentered, or anything you can think of?
1: Um, not from anything that I've read recently, but some years ago. Um. Some years ago, my supervisor at the time gave me a card and in it, she had attached a saying from the Quran and it says, if you are grateful, surely I will give you more and more. And so,
0: um,
1: gratitude, gratitude has been a daily practice. And I think that during, especially during these times of like COVID, um, it's becoming more apparent that I need to practice that, you know, I still yeah. have life. most of my family is still well. Um, you know, I still have an apartment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> food, you know, and I can yeah. somewhat, you know, practice work. Um, but that. that. Practice.
2: Thank you. That is a wonderful quote to end on. Nice. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. <laughs> Let people know where they can follow you.
1: Oh, uh well my Instagram is dula valencia and that's dula and it's V A L E N C I A. I guess it's a place you can follow me, but then my website. My website is com. So you know, pretty easy to remember. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Valencia. Yay!
2: Today, we will be hearing from Fatima, who was my birth client. I really wanted to have her on to share her experience of how she chose her team and how she prepared for her postpartum period and what changed in light of COVID. She chose a midwife in a hospital setting. And in light of COVID, when the changes happened, she also then was considering a home birth or switching to a birthing center. I feel that her story is very compelling and that it can help a lot of people during this time. Hi, Fatima. Thank you for joining my podcast. It's so great to have you here. Thank you for having me. Oh, definitely. I definitely would like to hear your birth story. We're going to talk a little bit about, you would just tell your story. You would tell your, you could start from the beginning on how you decided to build your team what you had seen your birth being before and then in light of covid all of the things that had happened and then your birth story and then your postpartum journey sure sure um
3: so i had a baby girl on april 2nd um at Mount Anna West Hospital. Um, she was a beautiful surprise baby. And so the first couple of months were spent a little bit in denial because I was like, it's not happening. And I was uh, working as a high, it was my first year as a high school teacher. At a public charter in work, so my schedule was really intense um, with the first trimester, the nausea, the vomiting. Um, All that to say, the first trimester was really um, just spent on making sure I was hitting the basic health needs. So I had an OB, make sure I had the check-ins, but I wasn't really yet thinking about a birth team. Wow. during the second trimester, so I would say end of December, beginning of January, um, I, I took a break from work and really wanted to to devote some time to intentionally um, going through the journey of birthing, I guess is what I would, how, how I would put it. Um, and that's when really we started thinking about what birth team we wanted. Um, the first step was getting a doula because that's just as a black woman in America, <laughs> yes, that is uh, pretty critical. I think it's important for everybody, but I think as a woman of color um, facing the health system, it it pretty much can make the difference between life <laughs> and death. Um, yes. So we, both my husband and I, were very committed to, to getting a doula. Um, we got some recommendations from, from friends and family, um, submitted a couple requests to some doula platforms, so Boober, uh, Ancient Song Doula Services. Um, really, you know, just not a lot of work, but tried to cast a wide enough net that we can yes. meet um, a diversity of people. Um mm-hmm. End up interviewing, I believe, four or five doulas, and um, end up picking an net. Really, for us, it was bottom line. We both believe in expertise, and she was the expert. She had been doing it for the longest, yeah. um, and just had just such a quiet confidence about it that we were just like, okay, that's one piece is done. So that was the first member added to the birth team. Um, then the tricky part was getting a provider because, um, I really liked the OB group I was with, um, but they delivered at Mount Sinai East and, the statistics <laughs> from mm-hmm. that were a little bit scary, I would say for somebody who wanted to have an unmedicated birth. And um, by statistics, you mean the C-section rate? The C-section rate And even just the whole approach right? Yeah. So Mount Sinai West Because of the history With having had uh, a birthing center um, Just had more of a More of a tradition I guess yes. And um, tolerance For uh, women wanting to do things differently um, So I knew If it, it was going to be the hospital I wanted to be at Mount Sinai West Um We did explore the home birth route, um, but really ended on the hospital. I think for me at my level, there was just, it was a first pregnancy, there really was a level of um, unknown and I think also coming from the context of a developing country, I was born and raised in Senegal. Um, the hospital is just the safest place. That's how I grew up. That's mm-hmm. where I know. And though now it is smaller, we still have, um, unfortunately, a number of uh, mothers who passed giving birth at home. Yeah. And in 90 plus percent of those cases, it's because they were not at the hospital. So I think that was just a bit of that at the back of my mind uh, that never really allowed it to settle for me to to, to be, uh, to have the home birth, to go the home birth throughout at least for the first one. So I was like, I don't know what to expect. Um, and then the other piece was um my mom has had three kids and all of them were through c-section and i think there was also that at the back of my mind that there's always the possibility that things will get complicated and the best route will be a c-section um and the idea of going through all the journey of a home birth just to end up still at the hospital was just like you know what let's make things simple we'll go to the hospital and that was it So we had the doula We had the hospital Now we needed the provider Mm -hmm. Um, Found another OB-GYN That delivered at Mount Sinai West But um, Really wasn't impressed With the group as much um, Because It has changed uh, Since the Fusion between Mount Sinai West And Mount Sinai East Um, And so bottom line the two things were, I didn't feel that the care was individualized. I was just another patient among so many. Um, and the idea of a group of practitioners is really bizarre to me, ultimately. That you could go to have your baby and you will have whoever is on call, and that person who is on call, you might have met them once or twice before. Once. Um, Exactly. You know It's just It's weird Not for One of the most Important moments Of your life Like this is not Just living out Living it out To random It was not Something that Was part of The vision we had For our birth Um, Mm -hmm. And so With all that We decided to go The midwife route Um, A little late In the game I think it was like Seven months in yes, um, and reached out to a couple of independent midwives group who work, uh, who deliver at Mount Sinai West um, yeah and found one who's also really experienced has been doing this for over 20 30 years, I don't even know how long, Lisa has been in the game uh, it has been a long time uh, who um, really had a unique energy uh, we really clicked um <laughs> uh, she's making funny sounds. Sorry. Yeah, sounds so cute. No, that's okay. Don't apologize. It adds to the story. I got, I got distracted. She makes these funny sounds sometimes. Um, where was I? Oh yes, Reza, and um, really has a lot of expertise. Started as a home birth midwife, so has that approach and philosophy of letting things take their course as naturally as can be. Um. But was also doing it in the context of the hospital And if push comes to shove There's the convenience of being right there Um, And really I think that was probably one of the most Drastic shifts Throughout the journey of the pregnancy Uh, It was shifting from OB care To a midwife care The um, visits went from 15 minutes to an hour Sometimes an hour and a half um, and just little simple things. I always, you, you know, that little round thing they use to calculate how many weeks you're at based on your due date. The little round calendar, I don't know what it's called, but um, I always seen you know, doctors use it, or when I was making an appointment, uh, people at the front desk would use it. And I was always like, oh, this looks really cool. But mm, I never knew what it did on our first mm-hmm. visit what she did was okay let me show you how to use this and it sounds so simple but just to be so empowered that no part of the process is a mystery um, was one of the most pokey <laughs> empowering um, empowering moments for me um, just the focus on nutrition uh, on, move it, on movement on posture um could never slouch after meeting her and then it got to the point where it was so drilled in my head that I would see other pregnant women sitting down slouching and I'll just have the itch to go up to them and be like please sit up you don't want your baby to, to, to present posterior and I was like Fatima you need to get it together she's <laughs> not your life." um but yeah, it's just to say I, I felt really empowered with, with the knowledge um, and, the, and throughout the process. So I think that kind of sums up building the team. Um, it took longer than we thought it would, of course, as always. But um, in the end, we were really, we felt really comfortable and confident um, that we had the team that we wanted. And then COVID hit. Oh my Lord. And that brought about some changes. Oh my
2: Lord. Can you speak a little bit to the drama that ensued when COVID?
3: <laughs> uh sure. Um so I guess things were as early as March, even before the madness started. Uh, our midwife was very conscious about it. Um, and had started a bit changing her protocol. You know, covering with like sheets that she changed after each patient came to her house. Uh, just mind, just a lot of mindfulness around um, people traffic, but it it didn't really strike us as something that would drastically change things. Yes. Um, because I remember my husband traveled on like March 14th. You know, went back to Atlanta. And that's really when things started evolving and we were like, oh, we could be stepping into a different world. Um, So March 14th is when he got back to to New York. Um, We actually had to uh, do a light quarantine, um, you know, for him just just to see uh, after the travel if there would be any symptoms or things like that. Um, and then things really, really got serious when you texted us that morning saying that Presbyterian, um, was not allowing doulas in. Yes. Uh, so that was the first show of, oh things are looking different. And then after they did it on Sinai, went ahead and did the same thing. So we're like, okay, uh. How is that going to look like? Because our plan was, you know, labor at home for as long as we can, go to the hospital with Annette, you know, labor. Um, yeah, and so there was. Then we were left with this scenario of, okay, if we go to the hospital, Annette can't be with us. What do we do? So we. But this yes. was before partners. Where it was this is no before birth. partners. It yeah. Was awake, right. Mm-hmm. So it was supposed to do yes. the. So remember, we had a call, we talked about how you could support us, what our yes. options would be, uh, you know, if you were comfortable coming home, supporting us here, uh, and then um, accompanying us to the to the hospital, um, like dropping us off, essentially, and that would be it. And so we're like, okay, yes. you know, that's not the, what we had planned, that's not ideal, but we already have all this lined up, we have a provider, she knows our history, fine. Then it really hit the fan when they said that now even partners weren't allowed in. I think that's when I broke down. Because I was just like, I can do a lot of things. Yes. But it's not even a matter of can I or can I not do this. I do not want to do this without my partner by myself. Um, and it was just, yeah, that's not really going to be an option and so i remember for the last week we, we had a call with our midwife and um she was she was so sorry she she was so compassionate and empathetic about it um and did her best to reassure us but at the end of the day it really came down for me like i do not want that experience yes. and Also, just one for it's not just a medical procedure. Um, It's such a moment in life. And uh, we made this baby together and I want you to be there as it comes into the world, Um, which is a very privileged situation because babies are born all around the world and sometimes Partners unable to be there. You are in the military. You cannot be there when your wife is having a baby, or you're traveling. Um, I have a family member, an uncle of mine, who, um, you know, is outside of the country, working and sending money back to his family. Couldn't be there for the birth. Things happen. Uh, But in this case, it was like I recognize the privilege, um, but it is a privilege that I do want. And so, I think this was two weeks before my due date, Annette, that we started scrambling for alternative Um, options, maybe three weeks, max, three weeks. Yes. Yeah, it could have been more than three weeks, because he came back on the 14th, yeah, I think it was actually two weeks, two weeks weeks before my due date, we started scrambling for alternatives to delivering at Montana West, pretty much, so it ranged from home birth to birthing centers in Jersey, the Brooklyn Birthing Center. Um, uh, I think a couple of public hospitals were still allowing yes. at least one partner, um, at least one support person, partner Odula. Um, yes, yeah, so we explored all of these options and um, our backup then became the, uh, a birthing center. Uh, you know transferred my records had a call with the midwife uh, luckily you know I, I i was low risk enough that that could be an option um, because there were no complications throughout the pregnancy like no gestational diabetes no high tension the baby was already head down um which was in the case when i met my midwife she was she was breached um, and so everything was lined up that we could even we could have that at least as an option. Um, but just that uncertainty, I think that that week and a half was probably the most stressful part of the pregnancy. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: trying to get everything together and organize yeah. and make the calls and yeah. figure it out.
3: Yeah. yeah, but I think, you know, what, what anchored us both um, as we are uh, – pretty anchored in, in our faith, um, was going back to it and just realizing that, yes, this may not have been as we planned it and as we wanted, but uh, what? What, do you, what do you want to say for a second? Um, mm-hmm. There you go. Um, but, so, going back, sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. So, totally fine anchored yeah so so I think what helps us get back to grounded and, and and stay stay anchored was was faith um and really realizing that no matter how much we plan um, we're not fully in control um, there is this Islamic sayings like we it is actually a verse. We plan, God plans, and truly God is the best of planners. Um, Man, beautiful. And no matter how much you plan, none of us could have planned COVID. Exactly. We just, there's just no way we could have planned that. And there's no way we have we could have planned the impact it would have had um, on our lives. Um, and so we just went back to that and tried to focus on the gratitude piece that we that we had each other that we had that we were healthy that the baby was healthy uh, that we uh, had the resources uh, to even consider these options so just really looking at the glass not even half full but like ninety percent full yes. um, and really just focusing on that piece um, and I think was it a week before the due date that they lifted, that, that Governor Cuomo came up with the executive order that they had to at least allow one support person for each yes. uh, for each patient on labor and delivery. Um, yeah. yeah, it couldn't have been more than a week before her due date. Um, and so then we went back to the hospital plan. Uh, but yeah, that was a lot. So that yeah. was before. Mm-hmm. Just Before the birth, just in terms of the shift in planning, the shift in thinking. Now, giving birth at a hospital during COVID was a whole other situation.
2: Definitely. There were some protocols that needed to be in place before.
3: Exactly. Um, Mm -hmm. So the baby came exactly on her due date. I was the only one who believed this was going to happen. Everybody kept telling <laughs> me babies. No. Never on their due date. It's just a guest date. It's an estimate. They're typically incorrect. And I was just like, you know what? The, the second is a great date. I want her to get here on the second. Yeah. Um, so when I started uh, feeling contractions on Wednesday night, on the first at night, I was just like, yeah, this is a joke It's not really happening She's not going to come in a second um, But when they wouldn't go away Because I never felt that I would feel from time to time Like a little minor cramp But they would go away in a minute um, This was like Throughout the night I couldn't really sleep I could rest But I couldn't sleep for a whole hour Because it was uncomfortable enough That I would wake up But um, and I think at some point in the night, I, I got up, and um, the mucus plug was out. So I was like, oh, my God, this is actually happening. It's happening. So we got my midwife in the morning. Because I had texted her at night when it was just starting, and I was like, I don't know what's happening. So when she called, I was like, well, actually, the mucus plug is out. So it's happening. It's like, okay. Yeah. We just at the beginning, time the contractions, see what's happening. And it was all over the place. It would be like every five minutes, every seven minutes, every three, every five. It was just, it was erratic. And they would last, they were building in intensity, but they were not consistent. Mm-hmm. Um And so we called you, we talked, like, how are you feeling? Um, when would you like me to come by? Um, and so it was kind of uncomfortable, uh, but manageable. Um, and you came around 4 PM on, yes. on Thursday. Um, and then they, by then they had started to build up, you know, that I needed, um, counter, countermeasures, mm-hmm. uh, like hip squeeze, more supports, mm-hmm. yeah, being on the, being on the ball, walking around. Uh, laying down and having uh, somebody squeeze Um, took a shower all those little things Um, and then really in full transparency after 7pm I don't remember anything Mm. I mean I I, I know I was here I know you were here and my sister was here I could kind of hear what was happening around me Truly, truly, it could have been 10 hours. It could have been 30 minutes. I yes. lost a bit the sense of time and place. Mm-hmm. All I remember, when I came back and I was telling them, they were laughing at me. Is it did get to that point where I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Yes. And You and my sister and, uh, and my husband were just like, no, you can't. You're doing it. And I'm like, you don't understand. I, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And in my head I'm like These people don't understand What I'm saying The moment I get Into the hospital room I am guessing An epidural Like It's done It's they don't over do it though, But it's yeah. happened I was just like If this is not Because we had talked About the timeline At the beginning When mm-hmm. the, It was just starting To become consistent And they were maybe Like seven Eight minutes apart uh, Lasting I don't even know anymore A minute The contractions and you're like, you know, we'll probably get to the hospital around midnight. And we see her coming early morning on Friday. So I was like, "Is this is that intense, and I still have 12 hours to go, there's no way. There, there's just no way. There's no way. Um, and so I remember at a point, I was like, okay, like, it's getting... Um, they were getting closer together And getting more intense And then it was like Okay, it's time to call Risa So we called the midwife She was like You need to come to the hospital now So we took the five flights of stairs down uh, I live on the fifth floor so We walked up I had two contractions any the journey down Just leaned on a net And I literally have her hold me <laughs> And um, And I remember being in the car and having a contraction Which really for the first time I was like I feel like I'm pushing yes. And you were like No it might just be the pressure I'm like no 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 no, 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 no guys I am pushing this baby out <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really think about The Uber driver who was hearing what I was saying And like oh my god this lady's about to have a car He was totally fine um, And I was like I'm I'm letting you know what's happening but thankfully we got to the hospital in in due time Uh, so with the COVID situation uh, they need so I get in so we're all wearing our masks of course Um, I get in they bring the chair for me the wheelchair to take me up to triage and um, my husband had to get checked for temperature and um, and any any symptoms before being before being able to come. Um they were supposed to have started actually giving partners the test but they hadn't they didn't have the protocol in place yet so he didn't get tested. He just was checked for temperature and symptoms and I think it was the day after or two days after that they started testing partners. Um mm-hmm. so because there was no one down uh we're able to get to triage really quickly um it was pretty empty actually like I did not see any other person throughout the whole process of giving birth like except my midwife and the nurse and the and the attending OB like Mm -hmm. those are the people I saw um no other patient uh really um not even many nurses on the floor um so it was really quiet and peaceful, surprisingly, uh, but the bizarre piece was just everybody was in gear. So my midwife had the whole shebang with the N95 mask, the shield, a uh, suit on, like, um, a, a robe, the nurse, uh, similarly. Um, and so, yeah, so you're, you're out there giving birth and it's just, yeah. That's, yeah. That's that's what they look like, but it was a very fast delivery. <laughs> yeah. I was in at eleven. She was out at eleven thirty-two, and so, <laughs> so yeah, it went really, but, really quickly. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, because no did, epidural, no epidural, well, because we did most of the labor at home. I by the time yeah. I I literally arrived in the room, I had a contraction, and my water broke on that next contraction. And then after that, it just kind of escalated. Yeah. Uh, like, as soon as I got on, on the table, I laid on my side, held up my leg, and I was just like, okay. It's, so my midwife checked me and was like, you're fully dilated. And I kind of lost my mind a little bit at that point, because I was like, no, 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 that can't be possible. <laughs> because I was ready to be there for at least five to six hours yeah uh, so I kind of had to rethink and readjust even my timeline for myself because I was like I'm not ready I can't have this baby yet and she was like you may not be ready but this baby is ready so you need to let her come out and I think that just um, was a shift and then um, after her head came down because I was fully dilated but she was at zero station yeah. uh, she hadn't packed the pubic bone yet uh, it was like on the next contraction just breathe down so that her head can come so it took a couple of contractions we were able to do that and now I could really feel her head and I was like yeah. oh my god I lost my mind again I was like I'm not. <laughs> this is not going to happen now it's too much and my midwife just again okay, look at me, Three. she's coming, she's good, you just need to let it happen. Um, so I think just being able to like, let go of my mind, because my mind was just being like, this is too much, this cannot happen. Um, so letting my mind go, and just being present in my body, and being in that moment, um, really made all the difference. Um, yeah. And then, because now as part of the protocol, they test all the new mothers, Yes. Um, that was probably the most unpleasant part of the whole thing. Describe I, the test. The the swab test. The, the yeah. It is, and I told them this because it's just a little swab. So I thought it's just a little Q tip that they put in your nose, swab a little thing, take it out. But it goes in so deep that you feel like they are getting into your brain. Mm. It was so unpleasant. I was, and I told them I was like this is one of the most unpleasant things I've ever had happen to me. And I just had a baby. Yeah. But the test was probably more unpleasant than having the baby. Oh. It was just, because it was so unexpected. Because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, it's just a little swab. But then she kept going and going and going. I was like, I at a point I tried to hold her hand and they were like, we're oh, so sorry, but it has to go really, really deep so we can get it. Yeah. Mm. But, yeah. Yeah. So, then to finish on the COVID protocols, uh, then, um, you know, we're there, still in masks, um, you know, hold her, put her to the breast. She does some skin-to-skin time with my husband. Um, And then when I moved to, uh, and we're really there for for a little bit because nobody... Was really checking in on us. So, yes. um, because they don't allow partners to stay the night anymore. Uh, so, he just, we stayed in the labor and delivery room uh, as long as we could before moving to the postpartum because he wouldn't be able to come with me. Um, so, I think it was around like 3 a.m. or 4 a.m., something like that, that I finally moved to the postpartum room um, and get in, settled in, uh, they put the baby down. Um, and until the test results come back, every time I take her, I have to wear a mask and gloves. Um, yeah. Okay. But that was probably like and the most bizarre part yeah, of it. Part of it. I'm like, I want to touch my baby. Baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you get
2: home And now you're postpartum And explain a yeah. little bit about your postpartum Your original postpartum plan Was to have your mother come from Senegal yeah. Yeah. But yeah Because of COVID Everything got changed And then you had to get
3: postpartum support Yes, yes. Um, So Again um, so many saving graces, uh, my sister is also staying with us, so that was just, so just having both her and my husband, um, so I was staying, my sister staying with me, uh, so they could pretty much alternate, uh, so one person didn't have to bear the brunt of just, like, looking after me, because it really wasn't looking after me for the first three weeks, um, I... I don't think people talk a lot about pregnancy, they talk a lot about delivery. We don't really talk that much about postpartum. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was probably most unprepared for postpartum Um, because also, I think my only reference point was what I saw at home and a week after is when we do the naming ceremony for the babies and new mothers are up and running. They in high heels, all decked up in makeup and I'm and I'm like asking myself, like I don't understand because either I had a particularly rough postpartum or if this is in the realm of normal, then these women are superhuman. <laughs> because I couldn't even commit to wearing clothes every day. Yes. And I like, I don't I was in too much pain for that first week. It's just mm. um and I also kind of pulled a ligament in my hip uh, oh. around my, my, my hip um as I was holding it because with the relaxant like everything goes. Yeah. And so once that comes out then your muscles go back to their normal cells, you feel it. Um so so yeah, so I think the first couple of weeks of postpartum was just your body recovering after going through such an intense physical experience. Exactly. Um, Exactly. Because I'm I'm not a sports person. I like do physical activity truly because I have to. um, Because I know that it's it's good for the body. Uh, But it's not.
2: (laughs) That's something that you... That's not your go-to.
3: It is not my go-to. I dance. Uh, yeah. But that's that's my thing. Uh, but you know, I'm not a runner, for example. But yeah. Like when I see people talk about a marathon, like giving birth is probably that times ten. Um, so it's just like everywhere hurts. Mm-hmm. Like walking from the living room to the bathroom was an excruciating affair. Um, mm-hmm. And so, so anyway, um, going back to the plan, because my auntie couldn't come and with this situation, not everybody, we were even worried that postpartum doulas wouldn't come. We were really fortunate to to have two postpartum doulas who um, were open to, to be working with us. And I honestly do not know. And I broke down a few times saying this to my husband, just thinking about women doing this without support is heartbreaking. Definitely. Because I had family around. I had a partner who was very supportive. I had my sister who was very supportive. But still, having somebody who knows what the range of normal is and could be like, it's completely normal for you to feel that. And knows... Okay, maybe let's try a sits bath. Oh, maybe you want to take a bath with some herbs. Let's wrap your belly to give you some support. Maybe you should eat this. Avoid to have cold foods as your uterus is contracting right now because it will hurt more. There's no way I would have known those things. There's yes. no way they would have known those things. Um, and so just having that 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 wisdom and that care. Uh, made made the whole difference um and then also for the breastfeeding and you also had a first postpartum visit with us like yes. this day uh, mm-hmm. after i came back from the hospital um and that really set, a, set us up um for success on the breastfeeding front um because it was just okay here are um, like checking her latch and making sure that we also knew how to check it I knew how it felt when she was on properly yeah. and how it looked um, yep um, <laughs> she, she concurs <laughs> getting a sense of yeah and really just getting the motivation that even if it's a little difficult at the beginning here are ways to cope here are ways to um, to make it better um, so so yeah so I am a sound advocate for um, uh, doulas for birth for postpartum yeah Thank you
2: so much for telling your story. That was incredible to hear again and relive again <laughs> through your experience, and and just supporting the postpartum and having people be aware of like how helpful it can be to have a doula who can help you not just with breastfeeding but with also things that you wouldn't know, taking in yeah. warm foods, sits back. er, different herbs to help with healing postpartum that's just wonderful thank you you so much for joining my podcast today and telling your story i really appreciated having you. you i really really Miss you guys and love hearing your voice and I
3: love hearing her in the background. It's just like <laughs> this really adds to it. Oh, we look forward to the day we can gather again.
2: Yes, definitely. Body. I exactly a proper hug and I get to hold that scrumptious baby. Yeah. <laughs> take care. Take care. All right. Thank you. You do the same. You do the same. Tell every send everyone my love, please. We'll do. We'll do. We'll do. Okay. Talk soon. Thank you. All right. Bye gracias thanks for listening to the clear birth podcast please don't forget to rate review and subscribe you can find me on instagram at the clear birth podcast if you want to send me an email you can reach me at the clear birth podcast at gmail.com adios hasta luego goodbye until next time